Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Yeah. Buddies, buddies, it's a funny joke, buddies. We are back again with this week's main show here. Thank you all so much for joining us and for watching this. And you're looking at it right now. You're looking at wait, wait. There's just two of you guys here for sure. But uh, we got we got a third, and we'll let you know. In just a second, who that is. Today, we're going to be talking about so many things in the world of entertainment. Talking about James Gunn's comments, getting into some rumors about a Prey sequel, talking about Ahsoka, where we are uh, as we uh, head into the finale here just a few days away, and also some a little bit of strike talk and some trailers talk as well that's going to happen here on the show. Uh, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, uh, including some stuff that we're going to talk about in our trailers today. I know. A nice little surprise for our show, for sure. And, you know, as I said, couldn't do it. Uh, Unfortunately, Shannon McClung is out of town, so he couldn't hang with us today. But we had to find somebody else who could fill his shoes. Also a Florida State graduate. He is uh, the co-creator of the movie Trivia Schmodown. He is the owner and creator of the Christian Harloff channel, which is blowing up now with shows like The Big Thing and Capes and Cowls and his own reactions and reviews and the UFO stuff that is really blowing up on his channel. So we are very excited to welcome our FSU seminal brother uh, and our brother in geekdom as well, the great Christian Harlow. Christian, welcome to the... Oh, God. There he is. There he is. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Good stuff. Look at this guy. Look at the chat. I love it. You know that literally is the movie that scared me the most as a child. Like, you just PTSD'd the shit out of me by having that be the way that you came into the room. Hi, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. How you doing? (laughs) Jesus Christ. I... The only time that I actually had my mom pick me up from a sleepover, woke up in the middle of the night and was like, oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah, scary shit. <laughs> hey, I'll t- I got to tell you, I got beef with you guys. 
Oh, shoes and uh, beef or just shoes beef? and beef? No, no, shoes and beef. <laughs> I, got real, I got beef. Only reason I agreed to do this fucking show was to scream out the Geek Buddies thing in the beginning, and you guys did it without me. So, no, I'm not doing it. You, you, don't, you, you do lost it your chance. No, you lost your chance. Fine. All right. God, Our yeah. apologies. I thought it was I thought it was beneath you, too childish for you, but didn't know you were going to pull out the Have you seen my show? I should have known. Right? I should have known. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And let people know what's going on, man. Uh, your, your channel's at 94,000 plus subscribers. Really great explosion over the last year and a half that it's been rolling around, really kind of grabbing the pop culture zeitgeist quickly. You've been getting a lot of reactions positive to your reviews and your and these shows that are blowing up now, Capes and Cowls. Your UFO show's really blowing up. So where are you at right now on the status of your career in this uh, channel you got going well, th on? Thank you. Um, well, we're actually looking to, we're, we're building up and trying to hit that 100,000. The goal is, it's my birthday month in October, so the goal is to try to do it in October. Right but as I was telling John off camera, I think it'll probably run November, but it's just to kind of, um, it, it feels good because I went out on my own to do it. Yeah. And I, I took the shot to do it, and and over the last two years, I've built it up, and I'm excited about it. But you know, we goofed about shoes and beef. I would say, and people, some people, oh, I, I talk about it every single time I I do, but mm. it would be great to bring it up on the show with the man who, without him, Michael Vogel, we would never had those wonderful designs for shoes uh, and beef. You would have had good designs. That was mostly you guys, but it was very fun. That was that was like early days of LA. It was, and we so we did. We had the. Did you like your animation that he did at the end for you? Me? Yeah, did you oh not, yeah. Did you not see no, no, your, I, your animation? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I did. You yeah, no, no, I yeah. loved it. It yeah. gave you the, the jacked ta tank top and the the guns Listen, blazing man. and everything too. It's it's uh I I have, I'm adding it to the pile of uh, animated representations of me that I, I have that. had throughout the years, and uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's it's a top contender for favorite. I love that. So I, I am that. into it. Good. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's get into the show here. Uh, Christian, as I said, is very gracious to join us and have some fun having these conversations. Before we start, I just want to remind you all to please subscribe to the channel down below. I'm nowhere near 94,000, but that's the goal to get to that uh, location where you get close enough to 100. So help us out by subscribing down below and hitting that like button. But gentlemen, we got to start with the strike. The world, the Writers Guild, the uh, Writers Guild of America strike is over. It is over. SAG-AFTRA is uh, going to be negotiating on Monday, and we've also got the voiceover video game sag after strike happening as well but michael your reactions the strike is over 146 days you're a writer not a wga writer but you're a writer show so and you we know many writers uh, amongst mm -hmm. our group of friends who are part of the wga k cannon being part of the negotiating committee so what are your thoughts here real quick about the end of the strike now and where we're going next i mean people are just feeling good that, yeah. That's really the vibe in LA. People, I was at a party last night that was a uh, yay, the strike is over party. There was a bounce house. There were goats. <laughs> there was a lot of drinking. Uh, and it was great. Like, you know, just talking to a bunch of writers, bunch of agents, just a bunch of everybody. And everyone just has this really great sense of uh, not only like relief that yeah. the strike is over, but a sense of pride in that the strike actually accomplished something. That, yeah. that, 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 that everyone feels that there were gains made. Everybody feels like they did move the ball forward and everybody is really, really excited to just get back to work. So yeah. uh, LA right now uh, has a really nice sense of celebration and hopefully uh, assuming that the rest of the talks go well uh, with SAG-AFTRA, we will continue that wave. And you know, even though I was talking to somebody about this last night, even though I write primarily for 839 uh, Animation Guild stuff, yeah. with the strike going on and everything being shut down, the industry has kind of just been shut down. There hasn't been as much happening, even on the animation side. And I think everyone has this sense that uh, we're about to get into 
a real sort of uh, um, the ball is going to be rolling down the hill and it's going to mm. be rolling down the hill fast. Like a lot of stuff's going to be going on. And when stuff is busy and a lot of projects are happening, it just kind of everything rises. So I'm looking forward to a lot of work, hopefully in the next several months. Yeah, Christian, you and I are Godfather fans. We know that sometimes you got to go to the mattresses, you got to yeah. clear out the old blood, and it seems like the, the bad blood, rather, it seems like that's what happened here over 146 days. The WGA deal, uh, a total value was 233 million. The A and PTP only wanted to give up 86, so that's a victory right there. And they got a lot of concessions on residual staffing and AI stuff, which was the big concern. So, what are your thoughts now that strike is over? What's your feeling and sentiment that you sense around Hollywood and LA right now? Well, it's definitely what Mike was saying as far as I think people feel the especially with SAG the beginning of the end, because I think as I said, and and I and I always preface this when I when I say this that I think that the writers um fought their hearts out, did got exactly what you know they deserved. Um they really put like they they just showed their reserve o overall and what they from the second they hit that line and from the the horrible things that were said as far as people trying to bleed them out and things a lot, they stayed and they did what what was uh what they should have done you know and then what what they did and, and they and they got a major victory um but i think that the studios never took them and i don't necessarily even know you know they don't they don't look at them as the important thing because they look mm -hmm. at us i think the ai is the is the entire mm -hmm. emphasis whether they know oh we can re replace them anyway because basically we could just come have this ai program and write the script and then we can hire a writer to do a touch up on it and that's and that's fine yeah. and that's what they wanted to do with technology they always knew they needed the, the actors the actors once the actors went they went oh shit like you, they, they it became that thing because yeah. now they knew once they 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 can't they couldn't keep the actors away for as long as the writers were away and they knew we got to take care of the writers first let's give the writers we've lost this war we've lost it we've got to get to the table now so we can get so we can get the actors back to work also and the writers were able to benefit from that. And I think that there's some things that I'm sure they would have probably wanted a little bit more of. And I think sure. I was talking to Sam Levine and, and Rachel mm. Cushing on our website uh, stream last night, and they had some really great points about it. And I think one of the things with the streaming numbers is the fact that there's, there's particular, there's specifics about the, 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 the streaming numbers. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to release streaming numbers. Not necessarily all the way through. There's a particular, it's like a, a per, case by case uh situation when you sign up you sign a contract you go okay here's my contract for the show that i'm working on the numbers will be revealed because sam's point was great last night and i don't know if you guys have made this point hmm. one of the main reasons that they don't show the streaming numbers is because the if if they put all this money he's the reference of like lord of the rings the, yeah. the show if that show for the amount of money they spent on it did like three million people watched it and yeah, they yeah. and they released that number stocks yeah right yeah. Mm -hmm. and so they probably told them in the room yeah guys we can't and this is what sam was talking about last night he's like you just you, you there is certain ways that, that everyone in that room had to go okay yeah we we get it but pay us and that's what they did and they and they won and i'm glad yeah me too i i like that vibe i like the feeling it feels like the writers won but it doesn't feel like the studios necessarily have that much egg on their face from right. the deal it's they used a lot of the construct of the dga deal so I know a lot of people gave the shit, gave shit to the DGA, but like that construct they worked out early on is the construct they used for the WGA deal. And so that was important and an essential part of this indirectly in how it all came about. So that's a positive overall. I'm glad they took care of the writers first. Um, the actors, I bet, were cool to wait. You know, France yeah. out there hanging out with them all, really protesting, doing all the things she needed to support WGA after her, after her initial misstep in some of her comments. That was really good to see. 
and now we're going to get taken care of. And I'm, I'm glad they're waiting a week to let the WGA have the time to bask in the glow of the deal. And yeah. now we get to, we get to negotiate on Monday uh, and hopefully get some great deal, uh, get a great deal though that helps uh, everybody. But look, I just feel like after the, everything was had with Bill Maher, Drew Barrett, that was like the last straw. Like people were like, all right, let's just get going. And there's a great uh, article in Variety that breaks down how far back these backdoor negotiations were happening happening to lead us to these five days of negotiation. So yeah. at the end, everyone's really happy. We're going forward. And that, and hopefully the SAG stuff gets settled, and then we're good to go uh, with all the stuff happening. So we'll see for sure. Uh, but uh, going from a little bit of a happiness to a little bit of sadness here, we do, we'd be remiss not to mention the passing of Michael Gambone. 82 years old, passed away, sadly, from pneumonia. Gentleman was born in Ireland in 1940. Let me tell you how old this man is. He, he was hired by Lawrence, of, Lawrence Olivier to join the National Theater's first production of Hamlet. He won three Olivier Awards. He won four BAFTA Awards. He was knighted in 1998. And, of course, uh, some iconic characters like Albus Dumbledore there in the Harry Potter series, but also Layer Cake, the cook, the thief, the wife, and his, uh, his wife and her lover, Toys, the Insider, Sleepy Hollow, Open Rage, Fantastic Mr. Fox, incredible legacy of, uh, of, of work that he leaves behind here. Daniel Radcliffe said, with the loss of Michael Gambone, the world just became considerably less fun. Uh, he was one of the most brilliant, effortless actors I've ever had the privilege to work with. Emma Watson, who said, you never took it too seriously, but somehow delivered the most serious moments with all the gravitas, giving her tribute to Michael Gambone. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to wear greatness lightly. We will miss you. Uh, Christian, your thoughts here, Michael Gambone, Harry Potter, your feelings about him and other stuff, of course, uh, with this passing. You know, what's funny is that when you're, like when you're younger you think of like 80 82 and you're like oh okay it was a long, long life older as you're saying it's true but it's like i have like my, my my parents are in that yeah. range right my 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 father-in-law my mother-in-law they're they're in that range and it's like yeah it's towards the tail end but it's still it it just it just creeps up on you and the fact pneumonia and uh, that's that alone is like you know it's it's our bodies our bodies just can't take that at that yeah. at that age and and Gambone was just such a presence, man. I remember, I mean, it 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 ain't easy to just take over from Richard Harris. It ain't easy. And he did it seamlessly. He was, he was so, I mean, he was able to just really transform and make uh Dumbledore just so it, it was because they they had very the two of them had very different mm. styles and how they approached it, but somehow you still never really questioned, well, that's not Dumbledore. You believed it right away. And that was how great he was. And anytime you if you saw I my because my daughter and I was a big Harry Potter fan myself, but my daughter got me even more so back into them. And I used to watch kind of the behind the scenes and the 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 bloopers. And he was always involved in them and he had fun with them and he had fun with the kids. And he was he was always he, he could have taken himself very seriously. But as Emma Watson said, he, he didn't. He was yeah. he 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 took the I mean he was professional, but like he he had fun and and everyone else had fun and it's always it's always a bummer when you know you lose somebody like that and as daniel radcliffe said it's like the world's a little less fun but nonetheless you celebrate him you celebrate what he's done and uh, and and god bless absolutely michael you know we're big uh, harry potter fans certainly you much more than me uh in terms of reading the books and being steeped in the culture of harry potter here certainly a, a great career but this is the one role he's going to be known for for sure what are your thoughts now on the passing of michael gambone uh here at this uh, age of 82 yeah, I mean, I mean, echoing everything Christian said, like yeah. at a certain point, you're like, yeah, give everybody a couple more years, you know, like aside from like, <laughs> aside from Betty White, like just kind of like running yeah. through that finish line at the very end, everyone else, you're like, man, you could add a couple more years. But, you know, I think 
he was great and he was one of those actors that he was great in everything he did mm. even in a bad movie yes he was going to be good like and i think the word that i would use is effortless and i think mm. it ties in to what christian was talking about with the bloopers and what daniel radcliffe said about the world is a little less fun um a lot of british actors have this thing especially some of the ones who have been doing it for a while where mm. when they're on camera they're delivering and you are a hundred percent invested. You believe every moment they are, they are in it. They are serious. But as soon as the camera's off, they are just having a blast because to them it's fun. Like it's a craft to them as opposed to the whole, uh, I gotta be really, uh, some of the other actors that we talk to, uh, talk about on the show who are sort of in character the whole time and driving the cast and crew crazy because they're really method and they're really like living the role. Like, you know, Michael Gambon was doing just as good as any of them, but managed to have fun with it. And there was a lightness to his acting. And I think that played into the way that you sort of uh, took him in on the screen. Like I, Christian's right. Following up Richard Harris is a tough act. Richard Harris was great in those first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not my Dumbledore. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. Gambon is my Dumbledore. Like wow, what yeah. he did from, aside from one line in Goblet of Fire, that he really whiffed um, aside from the one um, he kind of just nailed it throughout. And I don't think the Harry Potter franchise would have been the same without him. Yeah. I, I, just real quick for me, it's, it's uh, some people complain, Oh, Richard Harris. I'd liked him better as uh, Dumbledore, but I think Richard Harris worked for those Christopher Columbus movies. Like it's a, it's a different approach. It's how a child would see someone like uh, Dumbledore at that age. Gambone, you know, it wasn't on purpose, obviously, because of the passing of Richard Harris, but it seemed to work out for the series that this was a harder edged uh, Dumbledore, less of a, you know, kind of stroke your hair kind of Dumbledore and, and make you feel good about things. He was very much a truth teller. And that's what you want as you're getting older. And that's how you see the world as you grow into your teens and, and what have you. So uh, I liked that that element was there in his interpretation, his portrayal. And he's a DGAF actor. Like he's one of those actors that you sense he's going to do his thing and he's going to be relaxed about it. And you know, you're in good hands and he can play a villain. He can play a hero. He can play comedy. It's just all within his wheelhouse. And he was effortless uh, in doing so. And it was great to see. You want to say one last thing? Mike? No, I'm going to say, uh, I think you're right um, about his Dumbledore performance. But the mm -hmm. other thing that he had even a little bit more than Richard Harris did is he had this twinkle. He had this Willy Wonka-esque ah, yes. quality to the Dumbledore that he played that I think really played into it well. So um definitely uh a a wonderful and storied career uh yeah. and definitely will miss him um and, and wish him well on that boat to wherever we're all going <laughs> on that train? In that train it seems as if michael was not a fan of my dumbledore wow <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's move on to our next subject here and that's uh the sequel for prey this is coming to us from world of real uh apparently uh they got they drew attention to a production weekly listing which claims that prey 2 is indeed in the works we know the first film concluded with naru who is played by amber mid-thunder mid-thunder you see right there on the screen, defeating the near-unstoppable alien hunter with the aid of her canine pal and returning to her tribe. But the end credits uh, suggested that other predators soon showed up to avenge their fallen comrade. So there's been a lot of speculation about this for quite some time. Certainly people were excited. Initially, people were upset that this wasn't a theatrical release. We were knee-deep in the COVID situation going on there. The 4K release, I think, is out or coming out, so people are excited for that. 
But uh, uh, yeah, Michael, I go to you. What are your thoughts on this? A Prey sequel, Amber Midthunder, Midthunder coming back. Are we in danger of messing up this beautiful little gem that we didn't sense was going to be this gem uh, by having more sequels that are going to turn out like Aliens versus Predator or uh, those terrible Aliens films? What do you think? Or Predator films, rather. What do you think? Well, uh, look, nothing is going to ruin this film being as great as it was. So even right. if they even if they make a sequel and whiff it, this film was still fantastic. But I think I mean I think they did a great job, and I think they really landed on something. This is the first. I I had dinner recently with another writer, and we were talking about the Predator films and the Alien mm. films and the Aliens versus Predator comics, and just like we, to the two of us, were very very into. Uh, these two franchises and bemoaning the fact that both of them, the further along that they've gone, got uh, more and more maligned. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I as someone who's a hardcore Predator fan, I think there are elements about Predator 2 that are cool. There's also all elements of Predator 2 that are ridiculous and racist and insane. But yes. Predator 2 has some good stuff. I even think there's some really nice ideas and some nice moments in Predators, mm. uh, the Lawrence Fishburne, Adrian yeah. Brody one, where Adrian they sort Brody. of like went yeah. back to using the classic Predator score, kind of like really had some fun moments. Don't think it really stuck the landing. Yeah. Um, the less said about the Aliens versus Predator movies, the better <laughs> for everybody involved. What about like, Shane that's Black's where things, Predator movie? Oof. Oh, yeah, like just, just bad news. So when Prey came along, I think they really locked into something that was brilliant. They got back to the basics of what the Predator was. Putting it in a completely different time period allowed for a completely fresh and new kind of storytelling. So they managed to hit all the beats that we loved about the original Predator, but in a completely new context without adding a bunch more shit. Like it's a really simple, basic, straightforward story. And I think yeah. they nailed it. And like, even I remember I was, I watched it on a plane. I was so excited. I was flying from Vancouver to Florida and I watched it and, um, watching those closing credits, I was like, all right, here we go. Like already, like, give me the sequel. Yeah. So not only would I love for them to do a sequel to Prey, but I also think, and this is what I was talking to my friend about, um, I think they really locked onto a great way to just keep the Predator franchise going, which is, yeah, I definitely want to know the next chapter of this story. Like, what happened with this group of indigenous people when more yeah. Predators come in? But also... Give me a fucking predator in the French Revolution. Give me a fucking yeah, predator in like South America. Like it, you could just go any place, any time period, any big moment in history, uh, and you can tell me a predator story, and I'm into it. Yeah. So give me a predator uh, in Rome. Give me a predator in Sparta. Like, I don't give a shit. Give me a predator in any of these places. And I think they've really locked into this thing that could really extend the predator franchise if they did it right and didn't overdo it. Right. Yeah. Dan Tractor, we're doing a really good job with this film, Christian. Uh, I, I was I was excited about this one when I saw it. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. I'd seen the reviews ahead of time and just had a blast with this one. But Michael brings up an interesting point. A, let me get your thoughts on a, a Predator 2, uh, sorry, a, a Prey sequel. Mm -hmm. And B, do you think Amber Mid-Thunder comes back or are we jumping 100 years to another century to another uh, uh, sequence of events here? What do you think is going to happen in the sequel? And your thoughts she's, on a sequel? She's coming back, 100%. Yeah, yeah. and Trachenberg, uh, is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, he, um, so I, I had the pleasure of actually interviewing her for my show. She came in. Oh, nice. She came in about five, six months ago, whatever it was, and and I obviously asked her about this, and she obviously didn't tell me anything. Um, <laughs> but but from the way that she answered it, and the and the way that she talked about her relationship with um, with Dan was that 
this dude is all about a making these movies in a what mike just said this kind of back to basics essence of of a predator fan which he is and really captured that and then b they have a relationship where he's calling her texting her to say like look at this idea and this like she's she's going to be in it if they do a second one i happen to agree with mike also i would love to see it, it them go back in time and do more stuff or for you know a little bit more forward backward whatever it is but i would like to see this story continue because yeah. she is so good and yeah. And I and I and I really did. I really thought she was great when I saw the movie. But then even talking to her, she's just what well, very similar to like how I felt about when I sat down and I talked to Shola Medaduena. Like mm. just two people who have their heads on their shoulder that you root for because they get it and they really understand overall like the 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 essence of the fandom, the essence of what the character is, the story. And what I liked about it, I, I think that there's a stigma that we still kind of, especially us, because we're in that generation when something hit uh, VHS or direct to DVD, yeah. we're like, I must stink. So there's like this weird stigma that if something shows up on streaming, that it must not be very good. And I think movies like this and a lot of other movies, some movies you can catch on Apple and uh, prove that that's not true. Um, and I also, the way that the theaters are now that movies like this, I actually think that it, it benefits this movie that it was on streaming i think putting this movie in the theater might have hurt it more than it would have benefited because mm -hmm. the because for some reason they're just they're, now look the budget itself maybe if it does 50 60 million it still can, can make a profit 70 million makes a profit but why risk it when you can have this type of success on who i got nominated for awards it was a very smart move and i think that it also i think that they will continue your your concern john i think yeah. because the director is so locked into it i i don't think it taints it i think it actually benefits it and, and helps it out and gives us a, a direct sequel to the predator that will be good and i mm -hmm. as much as oh gary bc running around uh doing what he's got to do uh, is fine it, it, fine there's some fun moments mike's right but it's not a great movie get let's get two greats back to back i mean jake's still around so we could still mess around with jake busey is but but maybe she's like she if we jumped 100 years or 200 years maybe she is the ancestor of uh you know that's oh sorry the descendant of these of of herself from the first movie that's a possibility as well but yeah i don't want to see amber out of this uh series she is one of the big reasons why this she is the big I reason why this film works yeah I think, and you know, like every, everyone does this, like, you know, I do it with My Little Pony or Strawberry Shortcake. Like when you're telling a story, the studio is going to tell you, well, you're not getting another season or you're not getting a sequel, yeah, but yeah. you're always planning ahead and be like, Ooh, it would be cool to do this. And so you really like doing that end credit sequence the way they did, like they didn't do a, a post credit scene. They didn't do a right. big thing, but just doing those hieroglyphics kind of showing more predator ships coming in you're like there's more story to tell here yeah, yeah so like point. yeah they absolutely could jump 100 years she could be an ancestor i would love to see other predator movies in this vein mm -hmm. but it really i'm i am with christian that i do think that there's definitely a this character went on mm -hmm. a journey defeated this predator yeah and now some shit's going down and right. show me a bunch of indigenous people versus a bunch of predators and right. let's go to town yeah, and maybe it's later in her life when they come back because it didn't say like when they came right. back. So it could be like she's married, has children. So it's a whole other different approach as a mother, you know, through this whole situation. And honestly, I still down the yeah. line. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know how much longer they can wait, but I would love to see Hulu reach out to Arnold like one last time. One last no, time. 
One no. last time. And I, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you he needs to go out there like Stallone and Samaritan and start fighting with his hands. But why can't he strategize and help somebody out? I'm talking about down. I'm not talking about this. I mean, this okay. this is this is perfect yeah. to, to continue the way it is. I'm just saying. If you can get him and he's doing these Netflix movies and you can get him to strategize and just one more time, he can go after it and then it comes back years later and you can do it, but not in where it's like a silly kind of, uh, and as much as I love Craig Brewer, I use this example, coming to America too is such a miss. Yeah. And like Oof. when, when you can do something that kind of actually, it's very hard, whether it's action, com action, comedies, whatever it is, it's very hard to recreate that tone of the eighties. It's very hard to do it. Mm. And you need to kind of do that. In, and other shows have done it. And I actually think, even though it wasn't in, in, in it, it wasn't an '80s movie by any stretch of the imagination, I think that Prey did capture that kind of feel. It that yeah. it, it, and oh, and and I think you can still do that with uh, with Arnold. If listen, I I could go either way. If I was going to bring Arnold in, it would be in a small dose. But I do think like yeah. Prey is the road to getting something like that. Right. I think you know you reach a certain point. In those Predator movies, Predator Two came out. Arnold was the biggest star in the world yeah. and his entire team was like hey maybe we don't touch these movies we don't maybe, do these maybe, movies anymore maybe we don't, we do don't need to do movies. these we're at a different level but i think that if prey does great if a sequel to prey does great if hulu like this is their premiere thing yeah. and then they really do something that's more modern day uh you know dutch lived like have yeah. him come back in like do something really cool and like i think now is the time in arnold's life and if the predator franchise sort of gets a little bit of a Right. dust itself off and gets a little bit more luster to it maybe yeah. you do get something like that would it be called carl would be working a curtain hanging business is that what like in terminator is that what they can... anyway just throwing it out stop um, it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we'll see i mean I, i'm excited for it I, I, I love this uh, film so we'll see what what uh as more details come out now the strike is over and hopefully soon sag after strike will be over Maybe some details will start pouring out on this and we'll start to get excited for what we're going to see. But uh, let's take a quick break and we'll jump into some more topics here on the Geek Buddies right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents with the code BUDDIES, B-U-D-D-I-E-S. Simply visit Marquee.tv and use the promo code BUDDIES to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Get three months for just 99 cents. Visit Marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now. Use code BUDDIES. Explore the extensive library of performances on Marquee TV today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at Marquee TV on social media. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth 
of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You got it. Dun, dun, okay. dun, 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 dun. Shannon McClung not here to do the song, so I will do them. So I will do them. Sorry. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, let's move on to James Gunn here. He is clarifying DC canon. He took to threads, not to X, formerly known as Twitter. He took to threads this week to answer questions about the DC universe. He posted in response to some of these uh, questions that nothing is canon until Creature Commandos uh, next year. Uh, and uh, then a deeper dive into the universe with Superman Legacy after that. It's a very human drive to want to understand everything all the time, but I think it's okay to be confused on what's happening in the DCU since no one has seen anything from the DCU. And yes, some actors will be playing characters they played in other stories, and some plot points might be consistent with plot points from the dozens of film shows and animated projects that have come from the DC in the past, but nothing is canon until Creature Commandos and Legacy. He also went on to say Zola the Montaduena is going to continue as Blue Beetle. Viola Davis is going to continue as Amanda Waller. John Cena will be back as Peacemaker. And Freddie Troma will be back as Vigilante. Um, but based on his comments here, it seems like Peacemaker and The Suicide Squad will not be canon. If I'm uh, assessing this correctly, Christian, help me figure this out. What is going on here? Do you think he's having his cake and eating it too by saying, it's okay that you want to know, but we'll tell you when we feel like it. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, if that's the case, then he should stay off threads. <laughs> yeah, he, he should, he should, because he's, he's causing the confusion. I think that when, when it comes to this stuff, he has every right to say, just wait, just wait. I'll show you when Superman's going to come out. We're going to start this whole thing. Just wait. Stop answering people on Twitter. Stop answering people on threats. Just stop because all it does is cause like, oh, wait a minute. He says this person's in it and this person's in it, but this person's not. Oh, what the hell's going on? And he's going, I know what's going on and I'll show you in 2025. At that case, just don't tell anybody. He has every right to run it however the hell he wants to run it. And I trust in what he's done because he's made some great stuff. He made, I loved the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I loved Peacemaker. I loved Guardians 3. I'm very excited to see what he does with Superman. I can't wait to see his overall plan. But this guy is confusing the shit out of me. I have no idea <laughs> what's going on. Um, and it, and again, he doesn't have to. He does, he, It's his right to confuse me in a certain, sure. in a certain way. But when he's answering questions, he's like, well, you know what? I think this person's coming back because I want to make Peacemaker 2. I like doing that show, and that's why I'm bringing it back, and I want to hire my friends again. And everybody loved Freddie Stroma because he was the best yeah. part of the damn show. So we got to bring him back too, but I can't say that. Uh, and who wouldn't want Viola Davis back? She's Viola Davis. So we're going to bring her back too. Why? Because she's Viola Davis. Um, and then to me, and it's not because of, uh, like, like I mentioned, I've had an opportunity to talk to him. I think Sholo is, to me, the only person that really makes sense to bring back, because I read the comments differently. Mm. I read the comments inside okay. of it. It actually is going to be canon, and certain things inside of the of, of past movies could connect. It, again, confusing. But Sholo, to me, the reason why is when you see... Everybody here has seen Blue Beetle? Yeah. yeah. So Blue Beetle, to me, was the only one that, out of all three of those, don't connect to that other DCU. They mentioned they mentioned Batman, they mentioned Superman, they mentioned these characters, but they that they exist in the DC. It doesn't and if there is a small thing that connects to the old one, I, it went over my head. And there's not. There's not right. So you could <laughs> you could connect you could connect him very easily into it and say 
that to me makes total sense because yeah. he's not it's and it was in the transition period between the old dceu and the new dcu so that one makes sense um the other two for the peacemaker thing he loves doing it he loves yeah, yeah. writing the show he loves working with john cena let's call it what it is he wants to he wants to continue it so that's why he's doing it. viola davis because you have viola davis and you still okay. want to use viola davis um i think it's confusing i think that you should have rebooted the whole thing and said look i love doing that show time to move on yeah yeah there's nothing that couldn't have said he could have worked with all those actors all over again just in different roles right in this new kind of completely started from he scratch. didn't mention momoa he didn't say jason momoa and that's what i was just back. gonna ask michael michael he doesn't mention momoa he doesn't mention gal gadot even though she couldn't stop talking about how much they were they're working on wonder woman 3 uh he only mentions that it starts from here and goes forward so is Christian right? Is he confusing everybody by just talking? Should he lay off? Because I've seen fans go, you guys want, and you're too entitled. You want everything laid out for you. And other fans going, no, we just want to know what the fuck is going on. So we know what we should watch, what we shouldn't watch, what we should pay attention to and not pay attention to. And we have Aquaman 2 coming out and he's not even promoting that. So what are your thoughts in the comments? And what do you thought on, on what Christian had to say about this? I mean, we talked about this before. In general, James Gunn talks too much on social media. Like in general, <laughs> he does, he just taught like he always has. He always will. He what what got him in trouble back in the day was he talked too much right. on social media. Tweeting, What's yeah. happening now is he's probably talking too much on social media. <laughs> that being said, um, you know I and I've said this. You know you we've all talked about this. Although I am the first one to say the thing that does make the most sense is a hard reboot. Uh, I also agree with Christian that Blue Beetle could easily be a part of that hard reboot because there's nothing that ties it to the old DC universe. Right. At the end of the day. John Cena's great as Peacemaker, and and Viola Davis is great as Amanda Waller. Like that's just true. Mm. And what he specifically said was, <laughs> yes, uh, some actors will be playing characters they've played in other stories, and some plot points might be consistent with plot points from the dozens of films, shows, and animated projects that have come from DC like, in the what? past. That just means I'm going to choose the pieces that I want yes. and yeah. keep them. That's really all that means is yeah. that he's doing a hard reboot and he loves doing Peacemaker and he's like, Peacemaker's a great character. I'm going to keep it. Now, he also said, because somebody specifically asked, you don't have to watch anything to be caught up. Now, we'll see how much that remains to be true, but you don't have to watch anything to be caught up. So does that mean that by the time that we get to Superman Legacy, you know, Peacemaker's going to be doing whatever he's doing. Amanda Waller's going to have an entire series on HBO Max for us to figure out what's going on with her. Like, you know, like there it's I look at it the same way. It's not exactly the same, but look at it as the way that uh Star Wars used Thrawn. Mm. You know, Thrawn was part of all the legend stuff that everybody's like, "Guys, Legends is out." Legends is out, and everybody was like, "Fuck you! You ruined Legends. Oh, there's great stuff in Legends." And then over the past decade or so, Filoni and Favreau and everybody have been, you know, cherry picking the stuff in Legends that they liked and yeah. putting it right back in. So, does that mean that Peacemaker is going to come in and it's going to be a continuation of season one of Peacemaker, or does it mean they're going to announce a season two of Peacemaker? Maybe they will. Or does John Cena as Peacemaker just show up slightly recontextualized? Yeah. Could go either way. So yes, the answer is we still don't have any answers. And I do think to your other question, don't bode well for Aquaman. No. Um, you know, everybody made a big deal out of Momoa coming out of Warner Brothers yeah. and yelling and screaming and hooting and hollering. And you know yeah. what? Maybe he is Lobo. Like who the fuck knows? Like who knows? But like I think that the main thing to know about this is A, I am thrilled that Jolo Maraduena is still Blue Beetle. Yeah. 
Makes me very, very happy. I would keep Viola Davis too. John Cena's Peacemaker was great, so cool. Keep him. And we and Creature Commandos is the launch of this new era of DC. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's that's what we know. And I, I am with Christian. I'm gen I am more excited about what's coming from DC right now than I have been in probably the past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I am very curious about Superman Legacy. I like the casting there. I like all the, ch I, I love that authority is coming. Mm. I'm glad that Damian Wayne is coming. I'm really into the fact that creature commandos are going to be animated, but they're casting those voice actors to be voice actors that could play those characters in live action. So yeah. a lot of the interconnected pieces that he's already laid out as he's been talking too much on social media, <laughs> uh, I'm into the choices. So yeah. although yes, it is still confusing. Uh, I'm willing to wait and see how this all goes with a general air of curiosity and excitement. And sometimes you don't have to say the quiet part out loud. You know, Kathleen right. didn't say we're going to pick plot points and we're going to, if we feel like it and we're like, no, she just said, this is it. This is Canon. Everything else is legends. Let's go forward. Right. It was very clear, concise. The cut was there. People were upset, but then they got over it. it. And, well, and then the he picked what he wanted with, and then down the road, she picked out stuff or they picked out stuff and they put it in and, and gave it their own spin. Uh, so I appreciated that. And yeah, to your point, that, yeah, yeah to your point, it's like, yeah. had he just said, yeah, creature commandos in 2024 is the beginning of the new DCU and right. hadn't said anything one way or the other, yeah. then we wouldn't be having all this. Well, does this mean that Aquaman is out? What about Gal? What about this? You just said it because when you say something specific, it's not only what you did say, but it's also what you didn't say. Right. Like I every also, news article is also making as big a deal out of the actors he didn't mention as the actors yeah. he mentioned. Yeah. I also don't think that they really knew a hundred percent because they had the when they when Saffron and Gunn took over, yeah, they were these the Black Adam had just come out, or when they signed on, it was about to come out. You had uh Shazam 2, which was also Saffron very heavily involved mm -hmm. in. You had um what was the the, the Flash. And Aquaman, those are the four movies. To, so to them, they're crossing their fingers going, look, this is why they said up top, remember, don't forget about the door is, the door is open comment. Yeah. The door is open, meaning if the movies do well, we can right. retool some things. If you guys really like so-and-so, if you guys go and make uh, Shazam 2 a, you know, a $200, $300 million yeah. opening, whatever it is, yeah, then, then Zach Levi is going to be back as Shazam. That definitely would have come out but there's no money in it so they're like no no one cares about this anymore right so i think that's true yeah, yeah. So I, I had had flash had flash come out and made the money that john roca was conjecturing that it could have possibly yeah. made yeah if it had been good uh, yeah. i think we'd be having a very different discussion right now yes. about who is remaining in the dcu and who's not it yeah. was an easier cut for them too with all the controversy controversy surrounding ezra is that don't don't make any mistakes the fact that gun is close with with right. ezra miller and it would have been a tougher choice for gun to say we, we can't move on if that thing made money if the flash yeah. made money it would have been there would have been a lot more controversy coming because they would have been like we can't get rid of ezra miller that movie just made a billion dollars if that right. movie made a billion dollars they wouldn't have given a crap of money now it's easier for them to go with everything involved the fact the movie didn't make any money we're not connecting it to the dcu we need to move on it was an easier cut for them to make yeah it I does feel though, back, though yeah oh sorry so what'd you say oh you, you feel I, that I, I really hope so i would love them to retain sasha kaye whatever happened to that movie happened to that movie if you're going to bring people over from other stuff, 
you can't just play favorites and bring people over from your stuff. You've got to be fair. Well, people love Sasha Kaye. Supergirl. I no. think it's too confusing, though. No, so think, you don't. Yeah, I you think don't. it's too confusing. I mean, I not it's even, too confusing. Not even whether it's confusing or not, but like James Gunn is the boss. He, in fact, can do whatever he wants. Well, that's that's why he gets to do it. Like well, you, nobody's going to go into James Gunn and Peter Safran's office and be like, guys, if you're bringing your boy back, you got to do this. They actually don't. No, they don't. But the fans are going to show up in that office. The fans are going to show up on social media. The fans are going to show up. Not, make, not as much, John, for that. Not they as much for that one because it's, Kai, this, it's the same point. That movie didn't make the money that it that, that it was supposed to, right? But I actually you, thought, yeah. but you I know thought Jennifer Holland is the touchstone for this, right? Touchstone for this, like everyone's like, oh, he's putting his wife in everything, right. blah blah blah, and that she is symbolizing all these other people because people feel sure. the Snyderverse people, these other people who are DC loyalists, yeah. they feel like he's picking. That's why the babies. reboot safe. That's, that's why a safe reboot would have been the easiest. Yeah, yeah, I think I, on the Sasha Kaya front, just to be. I think you could go either way and it would be fine. I don't think That's it would be. I, I think this whole too confusing thing is whatever they do is going to be fine. But given the story that they're telling with Supergirl based on Tom King's uh, Supergirl right. run, right. if they did cast Sasha Kaye and say, look, she was great. We're giving her another shot of Supergirl. You don't. It, it's not tied to Flash. We just nope. loved her. She's Supergirl. Absolutely. It would be fine. Also, if they cast somebody else's Supergirl and she's awesome and amazing, like yeah. I'm good. I, I'm mostly just happy that they're telling that run of Supergirl because True. it's a really, really good run. Yeah. I got a stump for my Latinos, man. Come on. Yeah, no, um, uh, real quick, uh, Aquaman, does it make a billion dollars? Aquaman 2, does it make a billion dollars or no? I mean, after these comments, this feels even less no. and less like no, this film's going to make any money. No shot, and it might not even make profit. But I think yeah. I, I just, just because we haven't gotten the real budget of that movie yet, two, as we all know here, two reshoots, normal. Four? Yeah. Four and something, and something. <laughs> I also think it does feel, given his comments, and granted, I do think that every time James Gunn makes comments on threads, some PR person at Warner Brothers wants to jump out of a building. Uh, right. But, but I do think that the lack of mentioning Jason Momoa, it does feel like they're just leaving Aquaman two out to dry. Mm. Like they're just like, guys, listen. Nice we got beat up by Black Adam. We got yeah. beat up by Shazam 2. We got beat up by The Flash. We're glad you like Blue Beetle, but it didn't do anything for us. We right. are not. We're done. Like, yeah. let's just get Aquaman 2 out the door and let's get excited about Creature Commandos. Yeah. They're complaining there's no trailer. Just put the trailer out. Fine. Just put it <laughs> just out. Fine. Just put the fine. trailer out. Fine. Yeah. But I will say this, though. I think It'll that be the, Dark the, Phoenix. Because I'm sure we'll get a comment, John, on on here because I get it all the time. And so, well, why don't they just do the 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 Batgirl thing to this movie? And the answer to that question is because it probably costs upward to two fifty to three hundred million dollars overall. Even if it winds up making two hundred and fifty million dollars yeah. on its overall run, which I think it'll make more than that um, with marketing, it'll probably I, let's say let's say that it needs to make five hundred million to make a profit, and it makes four hundred. At least it made four hundred. At right. least they put four hundred back in the bank, as opposed to just trying to take a tax cut on it. And and I think that it'll. I think that a movie will probably break even, or maybe make a little money. But I think it'll it'll probably get close to breaking even. Now, the Marvels is another one that I think is in trouble too. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk oh, about it. Well, real quick, I don't think it's going to make a billion dollars. I agree, but I think it might be a good film. And if it's a good film, people will go and enjoy it as like a goodbye to that DC, and maybe have that kind of vibe to it. And we also don't know, Christian. What deals, what deal points are in that deal that they had right. with Momoa that it right. had to be released? Uh, I don't think uh, Sophie Grace could have pushed any of those 
uh, deal points in her memo. So it, it might have be a different situation. But yeah, the Marvels, rumors have come out that it is an hour and 40 minutes. Wow. Um, and, but then there's counter uh, uh, news reports because in the UK, the Odeon lists it at 140 minutes. Cineworld has it at 120 minutes. Either way, this the fact that we don't know the runtime, but it seems a lot of reports are veering towards 145, 140. Um, what do we think about this as the, if it is 140 or, or an hour and 40 minutes, rather, it'll be the the uh, the uh, shortest MCU film to date, yet it's arguably going to do a lot of heavy lifting with three Marvels. Do we think that film is going to break a billion dollars or make any money at all considering the run Marvel's on right now? Mike? You want me to- uh, yeah, listen, Mike, I, think that, I think that I think what Marvel needs right now more than anything is an absolute home run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I, I I am actually rooting for the Marvels. Okay. I, like I want it to be good. I want to come out and be like, that's given me that old like, yes, thank you. But I don't think it's going to do what Marvel needs right now. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm on the same page, and I think that John, I know you and I are a little different on the Aquaman trailer, the second one. Yeah, I, I thought both the Aquaman trailer and Marvel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they they both looked okay. I felt like I've seen both of those movies That's a fair. million times. I That's feel, I mean, fair. as much I and I love Blue Beetle. I love Sholo in, in Blue Beetle, and I love mm-hmm. the family dynamic, and I love the performances, the superhero stuff inside of that movie. I've seen it a million times. Yeah. That's yep. the problem that the superhero genre or the comic book movie genre at the moment is running into. So you've, and that, I think it's one of the reasons why the casual movie fan is just like, I don't know, I've seen these a million times over, and you're losing them. That's what got them to a billion dollars. It wasn't just the geeks like us. It was the it was the casual fans that wanted to go see them as well because it was new, it was different, it was exciting, yeah. and now that's going away. Now the Marvels, if it's an hour forty, that's a problem for the movie. To me, mm-hmm. what that what that says is. Oof, I don't know if we got it here, guys, but what we could try to do is make it an hour 40, try to put it in as many screenings as possible so we can turn them out so more yeah. people will see them and we can make a profit on this thing because there's the, also the report of it was a lower budget, a 140, and there's a no, 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 that's actually not the real budget. The real budget is something like 225, 240. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. The It's also, this is also a, a movie that was made during the Chapek era. Yeah. That's a problem. Um, there's a lot of, uh oh's the positives are the fact that what has looked good inside of this trailer is the dynamic between the three women yes. the, yep. the dynamic looks fantastic and if the sag strike ends and you can get the three of them promoting that could benefit this movie tremendously because if 100%. the three of them have the same kind of connection that we think that they do in uh through the trailers in press rooms and they get some videos out of it um yeah. i think it's kind of uh, out of the two of the movies i think it has the better possibility of of performing and if it's good it will it'll it will do very well but i just i don't know a billion dollars i don't think so it's got a chance to make profit but it also has an opportunity to be an uh uh-oh yeah yeah yeah. i think 500 or less that's what i'm thinking if it if it even hits that to be honest with you i'll be surprised i'll be surprised but like you said if the chemistry is great and the movie overall is fantastic because i like nita costa i like her candy man yeah. then great higher than 500 but at this point from the trailers and the general reaction i've seen online it feels like 500 or less uh, i'm, I'm uh, rooting for it though i yeah. really am like, me too I am rooting same for it. i love her and, I, and, and, and actually well and yeah. to christian's point and i mean and i know we're i know we're running late and we got a bunch we of stuff to talk yeah. about but uh the dynamic between the three of them 
does feel like something I haven't seen before. Yeah. Like yeah. that, like what Marvel's has over the Aquaman 2 trailer is that in a world where we're all getting a little bit like, yes, we've seen the good guy fight the bad guy, and then there's mm -hmm. the big battle, and you got the powers, and you got to dig deep, and family's important, and I love every, you know, like all the things that we've seen so many times now. Anytime you can tell a story that does something different, and the three of them together is a little bit different. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are running late, Michael. So we've got three trailers. Uh, do you want to jump into them now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Trailers, trailers, trailers. Right. Shannon's not here and I am. And so let's talk about it. Um, we have three trailers to talk about today uh, that are very different and very exciting. First up, we have gotten our first look at uh, Matthew Vaughn's new film, Argyle, starring Dua Lipa, Henry Cavill, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, an entire crew, uh, Sam Rockwell, Samuel Jackson. It basically gives us a little bit of a Kingsman vibe with a little bit of a romancing the stone vibe and a cat. Uh, definitely vintage Matthew Vaughn. Um, it's a wild, wild trailer. The actual description of the movie uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn is uh, it's centered on a secret agent. Oh, I'm sorry. It's um, sorry. I just missed it. Bryce Dallas Howard's character is a spy fiction novelist, Ellie Conway, who spends most of her nights at home with her cat, Alfie. However, when the plots of her books, centered on secret agent Argyle, begin to mirror the covert actions of a real-life spy organization, Ellie's quiet evenings at home quickly become a thing of the past. Accompanied by Aiden, a cat-allergic spy, Ellie runs across the world to stay one step ahead of the bad guys. So, gentlemen, <laughs> what do we think of this trailer? Uh, Roca. Yeah, I liked it. I, I really liked it. And listen, uh, Jeff talked about on the hype mic on the hot mic last night, the conversation he had with Matthew Vaughn when he had first said on our show that uh, Matthew that, that Apple wasn't sure what to do with this movie. It wasn't sure if it was going to be a success. Wasn't sure if they put it in the screen uh, out on the screens or whatever. And him and Matthew apparently had this like late night conversation about it all, which is pretty incredible. And to hear that this is finally getting a release, I'm a hundred percent on board. I like the trailer. I hated that teaser trailer. That came out on Tuesday, so I wasn't sure what to expect from this trailer, but I like the vibe and the and the feeling of it all, and uh, I, it's great to see Sam Rockwell getting a chance to do something like super spy stuff this late in his career, which I think is great uh, because he's been around for a couple decades, you know. So get him to get to do this is a lot of fun. Bryce is an interesting choice for a role like this, but bringing in Dua Lipa, that's so smart. Bringing in Henry Cavill to do something different, and Cena with the great comedic stuff that he's got going on now. I think it's a nice combination of stuff, and I love the vibe. It felt like Lost City for spy yeah. thrillers rather yeah. than romance. Yeah. So I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, that was so the reference I was going to bring. Was it was definitely the, I felt Lost City after we just the one with Sandra Bullock, right? We just mm -hmm. uh, we just saw that, and, and very similar to how when I I didn't know what this trailer was about, so the movie at all. So when I saw it, and Cena does this thing when he catches yeah dual. on the motorcycle, I'm like that looks pretty fake, and I was like yeah. you're supposed to. And like, oh, okay. Then and then, where are they going with this? And it's such a star-studded cast with not just like big, like movie stars, but with really talented actors also. And I'm like, this is this is fun. I love Matthew Vaughn. I love yeah. Matthew Vaughn. I think I people always talk about Days of Future Past and everything. I think first class. They never, they don't give it enough respect that it saved the X Men franchise. It's, it's not a lie. That's not a lie. It yeah. saved it. It was like that that franchise was on the way down after a lot of the movies that came out, and he saved it. And I love that movie. And I think that he got so caught up in the Kingsman world. And I love the first Kingsman, did not like the second one at all. And the yeah. third one was just a mix of seven different genres. So, um, but I love seeing him do something like this because I agree with Mike. It has that 
feel of romancing the stone it has that feel of um what was it the first the first reference that you gave it the, kingsman. the kingsman 100 yeah and and it has because even when it opens up the way that he does so i'm excited to see what he's going to do with it because he's he, i don't feel like he does enough and then when you look at everyone else involved and i really um enjoyed the rockwell thing that he does on the train and how that's going to be i don't know it looks it does look fun and i'm yeah. glad that it and it's theatrically though it's going to be interesting because Movies are such a crapshoot now in the theater, man. Movies are such a yeah, crapshoot yeah, yeah. in the theater. You don't know what people want to see anymore and what they want to shell out money when they're spending anywhere between sixty to two hundred dollars a month on streaming platforms. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's yeah. a lot. Of, people don't talk about that enough. It's like, well, why aren't you going to the movies? Because I spend two hundred dollars a month on yeah. seven thousand movies that are all over the place. And I can just go like this and turn it on. Exactly. Exactly. I knew, I knew that would be the you know I said that early on in the in the um in the COVID shutdown situation once streaming blew up I was like, people are gonna get used to it yeah and sure enough that's eventually what happened now people are still running back to theaters for the big stuff right or stuff like uh, stuff like um Oppenheimer which is a real anomaly but overall they're staying home and they want to stay home and enjoy some of the stuff there um all right Michael what's our next trailer. All right. Well, uh, well, first on the Argyle front, oh, sorry, sorry. you'll be yes, able yes, yes. to you'll be able to see it uh, on um, released worldwide in theaters on February second, and then it will be coming to Apple TV Plus at a later date. So, per your point, you could go see it in a theater, but you'll also be able to wait and watch it at home. Yeah. Um, next up, we got our full look at Disney's Wish. Uh, the full trailer came out and earned 66.5 million views, making it um, the most watched trailer for a Disney movie, uh, huh. beating Frozen 2. So wow. clearly wow. there's a little bit of interest in this movie. It's the 62nd feature release from Disney Animation Studios coming out the year that it is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Um, and the movie follows 17-year-old Asha, an idealist who makes a wish so powerful that it is answered by a cosmic force, a little ball of boundless energy called star which puts her in direct conflict with the ruler of rosas king magnifico played by chris pine so uh full start of studded cast full disney musical alan tudyk as a goat gentlemen what did you feel christian let's go to you first mike you're the animation expert here did this trailer seem unfinished to you um, no, it definitely has a different look for a Disney animated film though. That has a kind of a rougher qual. Well, no, there is some <laughs> el that, you know, now that you say it, I was like, no, no, it's a good look, but there isn't, there was an element of this trailer that did have, right. There was something about the lighting to it or the texturing of it that did seem a little bit different to me that did kind of pop out. Now that you mention it. It felt a little unfinished to me as I was watching it too. I, I had a chance to see a little of the, the, the well, first of all, um, and DeBose came out and sang the song, yeah. um, and it was fantastic. And it was a great song. And they showed a little bit more star, and that I I got more there of something a little bit more original than I did in this trailer. The trailer, mm -hmm. the trailer to me, again, very similar to what we were talking about before. I think Disney movies are in the same place that Marvel movies are in. In the fact that I've seen this a billion times over, but then I get surprised with something like. Um, uh, en Enchanted, mm. right? Enchanted, not Enchanted, not Enchanted. What's the one? Oh shoot! Encanto. Uh, thank you, Encanto. Encanto, uh, right. close, close. Uh, Encanto. Like so, my kids, my kids watched Encanto, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I, because I was under the same kind of thing of like, a lot of this stuff just seems the same, and I was blown away by the movie. I thought that movie was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so this could be the same, but what the trailer itself, 
I feel like I've seen this movie a billion times over. I'll definitely see it with my kids because they're going to want to see it. And I hope that it I, it takes that Disney kind of magic. And I'm like, well, that, like as Mike said before, you know, it's just wow, I was wasn't expecting that, and that was fantastic. But the trailer was fine. Johnny, <laughs> I like the trailer. I, I I was a little bit confused about what the main issue is here because I thought she was the daughter of the queen and the king, but she isn't. She's actually just a citizen of the land. And why is he holding on to this, these wishes? What is right. this, what's he supposed to represent? Then the star, what is the, and then the goat talks and Alan Tudyk is always great. I didn't like the butt joke, but it's cause I'm not 12. So, okay, fine. But like, but the singing and the majesty of it all to, for lack of a better term, I liked, and I liked the vibe of this. And I'm such a fan of Ariana DeBose. Yeah. So I love that. Uh, our, you know, uh, Angelique Cabral is doing the, voice of the queen which is great to hear another uh latin uh being a part of this so to me there's a lot here that i enjoyed and chris pine who i love to pieces either animated or in live action so i'm a fan of it i just was left a little aloof by it i felt i'm not by it so i wasn't quite i I mean i didn't necessarily find it confusing well for me it was like well, well he's holding on to the wishes why is he holding on to the wishes why does she want to stop him holding on to the wishes? Not everyone should have their wish granted. So I just, I was, uh, maybe I don't agree with the premise, Michael, but the trailer overall, the fact that it got 62 it's million, crazy. I was yeah. really yeah. surprised by that. So clearly there's some magic here that I'm not 100% seeing, but clearly a lot of people are. I love the trailer. I thought it was great. I do, I do agree with Christian once he brought it up, but there is something in some of the shots that I was like, that looks a little bit weird, but I really mm-hmm. love the trailer. I'm a sucker for a Disney musical. I'm a sucker for a Disney fairy tale. Um, yeah, to me, the whole, like, she's the apprentice to the king, and he just only gives the wishes that he thinks are good for the kingdom, and he right. is not doesn't get to be the arbiter of that, and she gets to open up the world so that everybody can make wishes on stars. I'm like, great, good to me. And in addition to... Uh, to Ariana DeBose and Chris Pine and Alan Tudyk. As you said, Angelique Cabral mm-hmm. is playing Queen Amaya. Victor Garber is Asha's grandfather. Uh, and then we have a whole cast of characters, all of the seven friends that are in the movie of Asha's that when you read the descriptions, sound very similar to Seven Doors <laughs> that you might have seen in a movie. So uh, some kind of interesting connections. Obviously, When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio, Seven Doors. So as this movie comes out on Disney's 100th uh, anniversary, it does seem that in addition to being another Disney fairy tale musical, there's going to be some interesting ties and Easter eggs to other Disney stuff. So mm-hmm. I am 100% sold. Uh, you'll be able to go check that out Thanksgiving. And then our final trailer coming out next week yeah. on Netflix is a little show called Strawberry Shortcake and the Beast of Barry Bog uh, coming to you from executive producer Michael Vogel. Um, So we talk about Strawberry Shortcake a lot on the show. We can now talk about the full trailer that is coming out, that is out right now uh, for the first of four 44-minute CG specials coming out on Netflix starting next week. We got a fall special followed by a winter special, followed by a spring special, followed by a summer special. So, John, did you see that they're not berries? I did see that they're not bears. They're actually somewhat little human people, uh, and things are going on. They play guitars. They, they eat do. berries. They eat food with berries in them, and uh, this seems like it's perfect timing for Halloween. Am I correct on this? So You would be correct. In, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. in Big Apple City, they don't celebrate Halloween. They celebrate Frightfall, but uh, it is yeah. basically the same thing, and uh, this is a full, fun Scooby-Doo mystery, and if you watch it, uh, and you're not necessarily the target demo for Strawberry Shortcake, you can still count all of the movie references that Michael Vogel 
put into <laughs> Strawberry Shortcake from all of his favorite 80s movies. And you wrote some of the lyrics for some of the songs. Am I correct on this? I wrote all the lyrics for all the songs. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what I loved about this trailer, Mike, is the fact that I would, I just watched, I just took my youngest who just turned six. I took her to see Paw Patrol and, and, and we, we went and I said to myself, I said, there's really, there's like not a lot for her. Like there's a lot for my 12 year old. There's a lot for, and, and not to say this isn't also for people besides six year olds. I'm just saying that my six year old in general love strawberry shortcake we do we do the coloring book and all that and i was like and i wasn't aware of this until john sent it to me earlier today and i was mm -hmm. like and i was the first thing i said as i was watching i was like i'm gonna show Maisie this as soon as she gets home from school and i know she's gonna love it and uh yeah it's just i also like watching stuff with my six-year-old when it comes to stuff like this because it just it makes me feel good you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's like these like these things it's just it's just these little innocent creatures just singing and dancing and having a good time. And you have you also have Mike's, and I know Mike, so I know his sense of humor. And we have a lot of the type of the same um, references and things too. So now that I know that, I'll be looking at him like, oh, okay, there it is, there it is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was there. It was a nice, pleasant surprise when John sent it to me this morning. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you guys can all check out Strawberry Shortcake and the Beast of Barry Bog next week on netflix nice awesome that is awesome that's awesome stuff well let's take our last break of the show here and we'll get into our main topic talking about ahsoka for a few minutes here right after this i got nothing yeah i you know i had a feeling i thought you were seeing some of your lyrics but uh i get it you know I mean, you, there's you, always you something cooking you there's always something that. cooking <laughs> Uh, well, let's get into it here. We're on the precipice of the finale of Ahsoka. We've had seven episodes of the show. It's really blown up and increased. I mean, initially, the first few weeks, they, it didn't seem like the viewership was 100% there. And then episodes four, five, and six really just blew up in the fandom of Star Wars. And people came around on the series. This last episode, a little bit of a d divisive reaction to it. Not, maybe not as uh, as, as high Lee uh, enjoyed as the first as the episodes four through six, but now we're about to get into this finale. We've got a Dave Filoni movie coming. There's rumors about a possible second season of Ahsoka, uh, and we've got people on Peridia here. We've got Hera who escaped a, a court martial. Christian, I go to you first as someone who reviews this also on your channel, and you are the big Star Wars guy. Uh, thoughts on the series overall, and what are your thoughts and predictions? for what we're going to see in the finale. Well, first, I, I guess I'm in the minority because I, I actually loved the last episode. It was actually my favorite of the season. Um, I, I loved it. I thought it had so... Wow. I okay. thought it had so many good Star Wars moments throughout it. I loved, like, I I think that people that were saying, oh, 3PO was just there because, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, they wanted member berries. I thought they handled the fact that they still brought up Leia and yeah. they still brought her her up in a way that she's very involved that was one of my biggest concerns i'm like how do you not mention leia how do you not mention her like she's she's so involved in the government at this point i get luke he's running around doing his thing trying to find himself and who knows what han and chewie are doing they don't have to be mentioned even though i don't know why luke is in your first phone call when you're out there trying to go find thrawn another conversation yes. but leia leia's involved in this angle so how do you not mention her and they bring c3po in and i thought c3po was used the best that he's been used since the original trilogy because 
he was worthless in the news in the sequel trilogy and a bumbling moron in the first three prequels so he this is what he would be doing and certain things like that and then leading into kind of pushing the story forward with everything the stuff that he did with balin i thought was great the fact that they haven't turned shin it's one of the tropes in star wars that drives me bonkers is that every single evil person has to turn good and it's like i could have told you uh, you know, but the, the second they announced, well, Reeve is going to be in the show. She's turning good. And you just knew it. And I said it about, I said it about Shin and I've been wrong so far. And I think I'm going to be wrong. Um, and I do. I think that I, so one of my predictions is I think she stays the course. I think she stays evil. I think she kind of goes off her own path. I think Balin winds up staying there. And I think that's the explanation of, of Ray Stevenson. I think that they're going to leave the character oh, of Balin in that universe. So he doesn't I, die. He stays on Peridia and whatever. I think so because okay. if, if they're gonna that's the only one that if you're gonna bring that character back that i understand a lot of times when people go oh, i don't know if recast i think it's the only time you'd have to recast there's two people everybody was saying gerard butler i'll tell you what you know who would be great as a replacement is the guy in um he was also in 300 but he is uh he's the he's in one piece i don't mike are you watching one piece I haven't started watching it yet. Actually. Oh my god, I'm so shocked to hear everybody. That. <laughs> everybody has been being like, "You got to watch it. You got to watch it." I think this in weekend what I'm gonna world? Start. In what world would I, I be the one that watched all of that before you? Um, I know the guy who plays the Grand Admiral in that would be a great uh, replacement for if okay. they were going to oh, use Vincent him, but... Reagan. Yes, Vincent yeah. Reagan. He's such a good actor. He's yeah. really good. So, but anyway, um, I think that there's gonna like my my biggest thing is they've been building up thrawn as, as thanos right he's got he's he's gonna be the big bad he's got to be if he's gonna lead into feloni's movie to the kind of redo the air of the empire storyline that that's what's gonna be he's got to be this thanos thing he doesn't have a win yet the way thanos did thanos had a lot of yeah. different thanos became menacing throughout the mcu until eventually you get to infinity war they had to go back in time in order to redo it he won he won yeah. So you got to do something that really just having a plan of getting off the planet isn't going to do it. Like something has to happen. And whether he goes back, causes some chaos, starts the war again, something needs to happen in that particular area. But if I'm going to say, I think that someone's got to die. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be the Rebels crew this time around. But I do think mm -hmm. out of the bad guys, I don't think Morgan makes it out. Yeah. I think Morgan's gone. She kind of teased it at the presentation. I think it was at yeah. Star Wars Celebration that she mentioned there'd be a sequel battle between her and Ahsoka. So it Diana Leona in the Santo. So I think we're going to get that. And somehow Morgan dies. I thought it'd be Thrawn because she keeps questioning Thrawn, uh, but it might be Ahsoka who ends up icing her. Michael, what are your thoughts on the series so far? What predictions do you have coming up for the finale uh, for this one? Overall, I like the series. Overall, I'm having a good time. I think it stumbles sometimes. Uh, unlike Christian, if you watched our spoiler review from last week, I was not the biggest fan of the episode. Um, although I agree with everything you said about 3PO. Like, I actually mm. agree that they used C-3PO in the right way and that what C-3PO was there to do, like delivering Leia's message was great. 100% agree that he was worthless in the sequel trilogy <laughs> and bumbling in the prequels. Uh, so I'm all for C-3PO being used better. But yeah, there was just some tonal stuff that didn't quite land for me. And it's kind of what I was saying uh, in our spoiler review into people last week, which is I like where everyone has been positioned on the board mm. for the finale. Like I like that. I like that everyone is where they are. I like that we everything that I know I like. I just feel like there's been a lack of information and that character hasn't necessarily been driving all the choices forward. Yeah. But all that being said, I do think that we're going to get a second season. 
Um, I think they're just waiting to announce it. But I don't think that we're doing Thrawn makes it back to the galaxy to be continued on the big screen. I think that there's more story to be told between Mm. this and uh, Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew? Yeah, Yeah, Skeleton Crew. And potentially even some more Mando stuff. Like, I think they haven't set the board yet for for this movie. I think there's some more moving things around. So, obviously, I think we're getting Thrawn back in our galaxy. Um, I think some people aren't making it off Peridia. Some people are. Um, I think if they killed Ezra, it would be very dumb and everybody would go crazy. Like, yep. I just don't, I know that everyone's saying, oh, John, you said it. Like, you feel like, I don't know that you go, let's build this entire thing about, let's go get Ezra. Ezra shows up, does like a little bit of force foo. And then he's like, oh, I'm dead. I just don't know that that, uh, is where they want to go. I also think that, and I don't know, like, I, I think that know, Filoni man. really want, I think that Filoni really wants Ezra to train Jason. Yeah. I think that there's some symmetry to Ezra now training Jason the way that Kanan taught him that like is all the star Wars generational feels that you want. So I think Ezra's coming back, but um, I'll be interested to see. I think like more than having predictions on what I think is going to happen. The things that I really want to know that I think are super important moving forward are we still don't really know why Ahsoka and Sabine didn't work out the first round of training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've Balin sort of mentioned something about Sabine's family getting lost, probably with the Night of a Thousand Tears when like they just glassed Mandalore and that somehow something that Ahsoka said, like there's some stuff around there that's been very kind of talked around, but yeah. like Ahsoka and Sabine have a lot of unsaid stuff and that seems to be the core emotional thing of this season that just we've just circled around it a lot and not hit it. And then in addition to that, all of this stuff with, you know, I was happy that Ahsoka was happy to see Ezra, but like Ahsoka was like, don't go get Ezra. And Sabine was like, I'm going to go get Ezra. And then Ahsoka was like, Sabine went to get Ezra without me saying it. And then Ezra still is not fully aware that Sabine brought the key to getting Thrawn back and Ezra sacrificed everything to get rid of Thrawn and has been chilling out on this planet for 10 years. So I really kind of want some emotional confrontations mm-hmm. in addition to awesome lightsaber battles, big ass action set pieces, Thrawn making it back. Like there's some emotional stuff that we haven't really dug into here. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed the series. I might do a rewatch actually before the finale. If I have time in the next few days, I, I want to, do it kind of get all that back into my head as I go into the finale and assess it a little more uh, honestly at remembering everything, but I've enjoyed it. And I, and it's been a nice surprise because I was a little worried uh, and then it really kind of hit its stride uh, so well. And um, so, yeah, I agree with you, Michael. Those are my questions as well. I think Christian, you made a lot of fantastic points as well. For me, I'm, I'm seeing the, I'm seeing that uh, uh, Shin stays the course when she ran away. I think it's almost like a Ben solo type of thing. She has to work stuff out, so she's got to stay evil for a while. Who knows if down the road she makes nah. a change? Maybe, maybe in the Filoni movie, there's redemption. You know they love redemption, brother. I, but I agree with you. But you know they love redemption. Um, the other side, the other thing is, I, I think absolutely Morgan's dying. I think Hu Yang is probably uh, dying. That would suck. I, they've been talking about it, and it's not like they don't have a proclivity to, right. to kill droids. K two S O. Yeah. Um, so there's a possibility here with him because he keeps talking about his age and he keep, and he said last episode, I hope I live long enough to see them fight together, you know? And then I don't know what's going to go on with Ezra and Sabine because maybe that was just a, 
a, a kind of a trick you thing at the end there when he's like, I sure can't wait to get home and take Betty out to a hot dog on Coney Island. Like it just felt so obvious, but maybe Sabine is the one. Maybe Sabine realizes the mistake she's made here. Maybe she sacrifices herself to stop Thrawn from going or in some way. I don't, he I don't ain't know. killing the Rebels crew, man. He, lo- no, he, 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 nah, he loves think, the Rebels crew too much. I don't know why we always get to these finales and be like, who's yeah. going to die? I don't think anyone's dying. You don't no, think anyone but- is dying? No, not, not, not not in this season. Oh no, more no. Oh. I, I, he mean you mean Rebels crew, right? Oh no, like well, like Morgan, every... like Morgan. I can give or take. Morgan okay. can do whatever. Okay. Maybe maybe Balin does something where he got, jumps into the giant pool of force energy and gives his life to the magic right. whale. Like I don't Balin know. Balin Al Ghul is that what you're saying? But, yeah, but I will say, Mike. One of the things that I will I, that I, I I disagree slightly is that I do think they have a plan mapped out, and I think it was thrown off tremendously with the strikes, obviously. But I I because. Because as they do very poorly at Lucasfilm is is announced when the movies are coming out, then they change right. their tune every three yeah. weeks. And so right now it's scheduled. I don't even think they necessarily I th- I know, even though hypothetically the Ray movie is supposed to come out in May of 2026 and a Filoni's right. movie is supposed to come out in December of 2026. That's what it's planned for right now. But don't be surprised if that switches because yeah. it was always, as far as I know, and from birdies flying around, um, it was always of let's see how the Ahsoka season two is always like we want to get there. The question is, are the fans going to talk about it? Are people going to like it? Are the is the audience going to be there? I think it's the first water cooler show we've had in a little bit. Season three of Mandalorian didn't do it the way season two did, and or certainly I loved, but it wasn't a water cooler show. Yeah. So I think that it's it's it will get a season two. But the question is, how do they line it up? Now, yeah. there were rumors that Mandalorian Mandalorian season four is already written. The question is, the rumors were that they were going to try to make that a movie, right? Yeah. So yeah. does Favreau decide and go, you know what? I'll just direct the movie. And he puts the movie out, and that connects to the overall universe, right? Who knows? That's one of the rumors. But I would say that you need to look at this. you got to go, first of all, when does Skeleton Crew is going to be the next one out? How does that yep. play into all of it? And then you got to figure, and that's that. That'll be next year, Skeleton Crew. And then you got to get the Mandalorian, either the movie or the season out. That would probably be early, twenty twenty five. And in that, in all of that time, if you're going to get Ahsoka done. You've got to get Ahsoka shot and ready to go early part of twenty twenty six, so it then plays into Filoni's movie in December of twenty twenty six. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. lot. And, I, and I do agree that like the, whatever the plan was, the strike probably torpedoed a lot of it. Yep. More so than. Here's the way I look at it. As I, that that is actually a great way to look at it, just from a, like a nuts and bolts. What do we actually have to get done? Yeah. From a story standpoint, like where we left Mando and Grogu and Bo-Katan at the end of season three, it just. You, you, I feel like there's more to tell to put things. It, the, the I was talking to somebody about this that I don't think Filoni's movie is going to be like a the tv show just leaps to the screen and it's a continuation of everything Mm -hmm. we need these tv shows to sort of reach a point of like okay here's where we're stopping so that when you go see the movie you jump on board and you're like you're caught up that that crawl says thrawn somehow thrawn has returned and we get like you know a whole little bit but we can dive in but the movie for them to do this successfully the movie is going to have to feel like its own thing as well as feeling like oh well it's a culmination of all this other stuff yeah, I don't know how good Filoni is at that though, because like you know, I I 
I am an advocate, and I always tell people, even someone yesterday told me that they wanted to see, they wanted to watch Ahsoka, but they didn't they didn't watch it because they haven't watched Rebels. I said, I don't think you need to do that. I don't Not think necessarily, you, have to, right. you don't necessarily have it certainly helps. You emotionally get a lot more involved if you do. But I think that there are things though that you are very much more rewarded for if you watch Rebels that yeah. I don't think you're lost. But I think that it'll be the same type of thing in the movie. Where there's gonna be a lot of things that tie in that you're like, oh, if you had you watched all this shit, you probably would have liked it a little more. Yeah, I do think, I mean, by I think watching Ahsoka, I, I kind of am split down the middle by this point in Ahsoka where I think that you can watch Ahsoka without having watched Rebels and Clone Wars and you're not going to be confused. Like, you understand the logic of, okay, Ahsoka was Anakin's apprentice. She left this crew. So they want to find this guy, Ezra. Thrawn is a big bag. You understand what's happening, but they very easily, Filoni very easily could have gone through and given a little bit more context to some of this stuff in some very simple ways to make it more impactful for the casual viewer. And I think if he do, doing that, not doing that in Ahsoka, it still seems to have worked because I agree with you. This is the first yeah. time we've had like that water cooler show and yeah. where everyone's talking about it the next day and gen genuinely excited in a while. Mm -hmm. But when you jump to the big screen, you've got to make that movie feel standalone. Agreed. You have to. Yep. yep. Uh, one last question. I know we got to go. We're running late. Real quick. Uh, do we get a an, an original trilogy cameo? Do we get Luke, Leia, Han, or Lando, or even Chewie popping up in this finale of Ahsoka? You get somebody. I think you're going to have a lot of member berries in this one. I think there's going to be a lot of those moments of, oh, I know that. Yeah, that's that. I think there's going to be a lot of those. Uh, who in general? I don't know, but there's going to be a lot of those. What? Mike, what do you think? I want Dex. <laughs> <laughs> you should follow Brian Ward. That's all you get Dex. You get Dex every post. I want oh, God, Dex. Yeah. Dex all day, every day. That's all I want. Just want Dex. Shout out to Brian, whose memes have been blowing up over the last yeah. couple You know of weeks. who I would? You know what I would actually? Yeah. I, and it rhymes. I'm, this wasn't actually my intention, but honestly, give me Rex. Yeah, I think he's going to show oh, up. Oh, yeah. Give yeah. me Rex. Like more, more than Han or Leia or people who are like, not as not as specifically tied to Ahsoka, who yeah. uh, is ostensibly the main character of this show, um, is like getting back to the regular galaxy and kind of saying we gotta we gotta get every guys all all hands on deck. Like, right. give me Rex or give me Zeb. Oh, Zeb, Zeb. for sure. Zeb, Zeb for I would sure. like to see. Yeah, yeah. reunion here. Um, Chris, did you want to bring up that topic? Or are you good? Because uh, we're running along. Just, just real quick for people to know, like what, what I'm getting tagged on it every five seconds, and yeah. it's the fact that uh, people in the Star Wars community were so excited because they were going to do a complete revamp of the Knights of the Republic and make mm -hmm. it for the new console, everything too. Well, the the same tweet that announced that has been deleted. It's been taken other thing. It looks like it's not going to happen anymore. Yet another game in the Lucasfilm stratosphere to be taken away and Knights of the Republic it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like Lucasfilm knows what to do with the old Republic and it's a damn shame I yeah mean, they, it kind of is in keeping with Star Wars in general to announce to to get excited about something and then be like hey never mind just kidding <laughs> well Sony's issued a statement in response to the removal of the uh, trailers and tweets saying it had to do with music licensing they mm. said as part of a normal business we delist assets with licensed music when the licenses expire I don't know Maybe. if I buy that, uh, but uh, yeah, right. It feels sure. a little bit like uh, trying to paper over the cracks there. Yeah, and Roswell was an air balloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. No, fair enough. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. We went way over time. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us here on the Geek Buddies, and especially big, big shout out to Christian Harlow for taking time out to hang out with us. We know you're a busy man, Christian, with all you got going on on your channel. So it's always great to see you, brother. Like a, a friend of years and tears. 
uh, please let people know where what you got going on and uh, everywhere they can find your stuff, brother. Well, what I got going right now is answer my wife back the last eight texts about marinating meat from my daughter's birthday party. So that's the first thing up on Happy the list. Birthday. Yeah, yeah. Then after that, it's going to be uh, working on the channel. We like we have capes and cowls on today. My show, big thing, is on five days a week. Uh, you can you can catch it if you like this type of stuff. That's my Friday show, Star Wars. We do on Wednesdays. We do a kind of shoot the shit with guests on Monday and uh, Thursday. And Tuesday is our UAP Tuesday show with me and Mark Riley. And then I also do out of the theater reactions and reviews and and shorts and all that stuff and more on the channel. So if you haven't already done it, please come on over and subscribe. And we'd love to have you. There you go. Uh, Mikey, uh, what do we have to tell our people who've been listening to us? Well, if you would like to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. You can follow Mr. Roca at the Roca says you can follow me at MK tune. And then while you're at it, you can also smash this like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's outlaw nation page. Check out all the amazing content he has got there. Leave your comments below. Let us know what you think is going to be going on in the Ahsoka finale. What do you think of James Gunn? What do you think of the predators? What do you think of cartoons and Argyle? Let us know all your <laughs> thoughts below. If you are listening to us on a podcast go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies and do not forget to tune in next week when we do our spoiler review of the ahsoka finale yeah absolutely keep tuning we might be live we don't know we might be live we'll see if we can figure it out but tune in. Chances next are week. high. Chances, right. are, <laughs> chances are undoubtedly high. Right. For sure. A big shout out to Shannon McClung, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today, but we love you, brother. Go and follow him in all social media channels as well. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of The Geek Buddies. <laughs> hey! hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.